Many of you realize that my job description includes a willingness to be constantly alert for threats to our American way of life, which as soon as I perceive them, I, I quickly combat by writing songs which alert you, the populace, to these threats, which you then rise in your wrath and defeat, and then we go on with our workaday lives, although sometimes, frankly, although it works very well on paper, it is too much, much too late, too little, much too late. This, I'm afraid, is one such an occasion. There's utterly no hope at all. Humankind has survived some disasters for sure, like locusts and flash floods and flu. There's never a moment when we've been secure from the ills that the flesh is heir to. If it isn't a war, it's some gruesome disease. If it isn't disease, then it's war. But there's worse still to come, and I'm asking you please how the world's gonna take any more. In ten years, we're gonna have one million lawyers, one million lawyers, one million lawyers. In ten years, we're gonna have one million lawyers. How much can the poor nation stand? Everybody this time. In ten years, we're gonna have one million lawyers, one million lawyers, one million lawyers. In ten years, we're gonna have one million lawyers. How much can the poor nation stand? Just the lawyers now. One of these days. The world shook with dread of Attila, the Hun, as he conquered with fire and steel. And Genghis and Kubla and all of the Khans ground a groaning world under the heel. Disaster, disaster, so what else is new? We've suffered the worst and then some. So I'm sorry to tell you, my suffering friends, of the terrible scourge still to come. In ten years, we're gonna have one million lawyers, one million lawyers, one million lawyers. In ten years, we're gonna have one million lawyers. How much can a poor nation stand? Oh, a suffering world cries for mercy as far as the eye can see. Lawyers around every bend in the road, lawyers in every tree. Lawyers in restaurants, lawyers in clubs, lawyers behind every door, behind windows and potted plants, shade trees and shrubs, lawyers on pogo sticks, lawyers in politics. In ten years we're gonna have one million lawyers, how much can the poor nation stand? In spring it's tornadoes and rampaging floods, in summer it's a heat stroke and droughts. There's Ivy League football to ruin the fall. It's a terrible scourge without doubt. There are blizzards to batter the shivering plain. There are dust storms that strike, but far worse is the threat of disaster to shrivel the brain. It's the threat of implacable curse. In 10 years, we're gonna have one million lawyers, one million lawyers, one million lawyers. In 10 years, we're gonna have one million lawyers. How much can a poor nation stand? How much can a poor nation stand? And that was One Million Lawyers by Tom Paxton. That was off the album Politics Live. 
Welcome to Polyrical, a podcast of political music, a soundtrack for the resistance, a topical solution for the political revolution. I want to hear from you, so if you like what you hear, or even if you don't, especially if you don't, email me at polyrical at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Polyrical, and you can check out the website polyrical.com. You can find back episodes there and links to make a one-time or recurring donation to help keep this podcast free and independent. Here is India Ari off her album Worthy. This is What If. Martin didn't stand up What if Rosa didn't sit down What if Malcolm didn't matter Where would we be now What if mommy didn't get up, stand up What if the boys didn't come to advance us And Mandela didn't come to teach us Where would we be now Josephine Baker didn't dance it out No Tell me where would we be now What if Sojourner never told the truth Ida B. Wells never printed the news Harriet never went underground Where would we be now We are the ones we've been waiting for We can change the world We can change the world With our We are love 
us to our topic of the episode the topic of the episode for this episode is asylum as in seeking asylum as in refugees coming from uh their their home countries fleeing horrible situations to try to find a better life in a safer place this piece is off of the website of Welder's Dog. We're going to hear a song from Welder's Dog shortly. And Welder's Dog is an Australian band, so this information is focused on Australia, but has a lot to say about asylum and refugees everywhere. The UN Refugee Convention, of which we are a signatory, recognizes the right of refugees to enter another country to seek asylum. These laws exist because it's not always safe or practical to obtain documents or travel through authorized channels for an asylum seeker. They are by definition fleeing persecution, and more often than not, they're being persecuted by the very governments they would need to approach if they were to seek asylum through official channels. In 2008, just over 88,000 of the world's 15.2 million refugees were resettled, well under 1%. The myth that onshore applicants take places away from offshore applicants does have some basis in truth. This is, however, as a result of the Australian government policy. This is not because individuals seeking asylum are attempting to thwart the system or jump the queue. But because when an onshore applicant is granted a protection visa, a place is deducted from the offshore program. No other country in the world links its programs in this way. The majority of asylum seekers who have reached Australia by boat have been found to be genuine refugees. Between 85% and 90% of these asylum seekers arriving by boat have been found to be refugees compared to around 40% who arrive via plane with a valid visa. Australia is one of the few nations in the world which imposes mandatory detention on asylum seekers. The individual seeking asylum has, after all, committed no crime in doing so. Asylum seekers leave behind them everything they know and love and set out into the dangerous unknown as a last resort 
and usually in response to persecution. Many refugees who come to Australia are educated middle-class people whose education, profession, or opinions have resulted in persecution. Most of the world's refugees live in countries bordering their own, many of them in camps. The average length of time spent in a refugee camp is 17 years. There are many examples of Australians who have arrived here as refugees and who have contributed to and helped shape this country into what it is today. Between 1989 and the year 2000, some 705,000 people overstayed their visas in Australia in comparison to 8,131 people over the same period of time entered Australia as seeking asylum either by sea or by air. From the album Soul Taker, this is Lucky Dube with Fugitive.
Who You Fighting For? That was War Poem. So what happens when people are denied asylum, when people are deported and sent back to those dangerous situations that they come from? For some of them, it is literally a death sentence. A transgender woman who failed to get asylum in the U.S. died after being attacked in El Salvador. 
An organization that supports transgender people in El Salvador said that a woman who goes by Camila was reported missing at the end of January. They contacted hospitals in the area and found that she was admitted on January 31 and passed away on February 3 due to her injuries. Last year, Camilla came to the U.S. in a migrant caravan after being threatened in El Salvador. Activists in El Salvador said that she was deported by the U.S. several months ago. Quote, she migrated to the U.S. because of threats that she had received, but she was deported because they didn't believe her. Iceland Odalis, an LGBTQ activist, told the Washington Blade. Camilla was found in Carretera de Oro Highway near the country's capital, San Salvador. Investigators have not classified the murder as a hate crime. She is the second trans woman killed in El Salvador this month, according to the Washington Blade. The other was a woman named Lolita who was killed with a machete. Quote, we want justice and that these cases are investigated and the reformed penal code procedures to be applied when those who are responsible are found, said Ambar Alfaro, who works with a trans rights organization. In 2015, sexual orientation and gender identity were added to hate crimes legislation in El Salvador. From the album Up to No Good, this is Welder's Dog with at sea. I was there the day her husband died Bravely, vainly by the ocean side our hearts forevermore a stain that day of blood that the soldiers came at sea are we on this boat of swords ground down by tears and fears and thoughts but renewed each day at dusk am I by her voice as she sings that lullaby time now for dreams leave me my love you will be safe here in my arms when when you'll know to fly home to me dark-eyed dark-haired nightly she succumbs to that song her mother sings and hums innocent flotsam at sea afloat asleep wrapped up in her father's coat 
Whether hostile shore awaits our kind Or sanctuary is ours to find All my life as now at dusk will I In my heart Hear again that lullaby Time now for dreams Leave me, my love You will be safe Here in my arms When morning breaks Over the sea
yesterday Many voices make for harmony Let the music play My life is richer for your presence today Let's break bread together While our children play safe and your children without fear but if they come to take you in the dead of the night I'll be there beside you to stand up for your rights I will harbor you I'll fight for you as you do for me and when everyone is welcome we will all I say welcome, you are welcome. And that was John Fromer from the album, the compilation album, Hail to the Thieves, Volume 3, Songs to Take Our Country Back with Welcome, which I think should be our default position on Asylum and refugees and that'll bring us to a few words this episode we have uh the latest episode from david rovix of this week with david rovix this is titled the bombs smoke screens and fig leaves of progressive zionism hello this is episode 31 of this week with david rovix making popular education popular again it has certainly not been a slow week for news, as the pundits say. Military conflict between India and Pakistan, threats of war against Venezuela from both ruling parties in the U.S., as the empire slides ever faster towards open fascism. Trump met Kim in Hanoi while simultaneously making new threats at Iran and Cuba, while his former lawyer testified in Congress. Scandal continues to embroil the governor of Virginia and other politicians there, one of whom says he's the victim of a right-wing witch hunt. Parts of California that were on fire last fall are now underwater. The Catholic Church is holding hearings on the sexual abuse of children and nuns by priests and bishops. A new proxy war threatens to break out in Mozambique. And Prime Minister Netanyahu in Israel has just made an alliance with a party-slash-hate group called Jewish Power, made up of followers of the preacher of mass murder considered a terrorist even by the Israeli and U.S. governments of his day, Rabbi Meir Kahane. And now the Prime Minister is being charged with corruption by his own Attorney General. He says it's a left-wing witch hunt. I didn't even touch on most of the major international news stories of the week in that list, nor do I intend to. But occasionally surfacing in the headlines, in some places more than others, are a number of more or less national-scale scandals ostensibly involving anti-Semitism. Almost never surfacing in the headlines of the Western press, but covered constantly on some Arabic networks, is the fact that last Friday Israeli troops committed yet another massacre of unarmed civilians at the fence walling off the open-air toxic prison known as the Gaza Strip from its occupier, the country that controls and lays siege to all of its borders and prevents its access to the sea to the west or to the air above, Israel. 
You in the West hearing my voice may be surprised to know that the IDF has committed such a massacre every Friday since March of last year, leaving hundreds dead and thousands in wheelchairs for the rest of their lives. But this missive is only partially about that hidden piece of weekly news that after every Friday prayer's massacre most of us are unaware of. I say only partially because it's actually impossible to separate these massacres from the aforementioned anti-Semitism scandals, and that is by design, as I will explain. In the U.S., a congresswoman made a reference to U.S. foreign policy being influenced by one of the largest donors to U.S. congressional campaigns, AIPAC, the American-Israeli Political Action Committee. In England, the leader of the Labour Party and some of his associates are being smeared as anti-Semites because of a visit to a PLO cemetery during an official trip to Tunisia. And in France, the entire political class, along with the entire mainstream media, are frothing at the mouth over their efforts to paint the Gilets jaunes as anti-Semites. In Paris, a group of yellow vest protesters called a self-described Zionist philosopher a Zionist. The word Zionist was preceded by an expletive, so this is apparently now to be understood as that old corporate media trope known as veiled anti-Semitism, which is usually a label for things they wish were anti-Semitic but aren't. This was clearly also the case with Jeremy Corbyn in England and Congresswoman Omar in the United States. Opposition to Israeli policies of weekly massacres, embargoes, bombings, indefinite detention of children, and wanton legalized bribery of American politicians is all construed somehow as anti-Semitism. How is it possible to conflate opposition to the theft of Palestinian land or the bribery of American politicians with hatred of Jews? Here are some bits of history and some word definitions necessary to understand the convoluted logic involved with these accusations, which are wrapped up with the discussion of what is and what isn't anti-Semitic speech and behavior. 1. For much of European history, as Jews were being kicked out of southern European countries, they were emigrating to eastern European countries, where in some cases the sophisticated new migrants became disproportionately wealthy and thus despised by much of the general population who lived in poverty. Therefore, ever since that time, any criticism of wealthy people, bribery, usury, lobbyists, capitalism, and especially banks, are seen by some as anti-Semitic, or at least veiled anti-Semitism. 2. Throughout its existence, leaders of the State of Israel have referred to Israel as the Jewish State, and AIPAC has referred to itself as the Jewish Lobby. However, when non-Jews use terms like the Jewish lobby these days, this is often seen as some kind of anti-Semitic generalization. A generalization it is, and an incorrect one, but one that AIPAC and the Israeli government both encourage us to make as often as possible. 3. Although millions of Jews proudly refer to themselves as ardent Zionists and support Zionism, the successful movement to settle on and steal Palestinian land in order to form a state controlled explicitly by Jews now known as Israel. If a non-Jew calls someone a Zionist, whether there is an expletive preceding the term or not, this is now understood to be yet another form of veiled anti-Semitism. 4. The term Jew is not an insult any more than the term Christian or Muslim is. About 20% of the population of the Jewish state is not Jewish, however, so when Palestinians are being attacked by Israeli soldiers, they don't say the Israelis are coming, because it's specifically Jewish-Israeli soldiers coming to kill them. They don't say the soldiers are coming, because these are not just any soldiers, these are not Jordanian or Egyptian soldiers, they are Jewish-Israeli soldiers. 
So they say the Jews are coming when the Jews are coming. This may be profoundly uncomfortable reality, but it's also a profoundly real one. For most people in most of the world, the whole discussion around Zionism and anti-Semitism is absurd. Anyone who knows anything about Israel outside of the capitalist West knows it's an apartheid state run by people called Jews, most people in the world have never met one, and that these people who run Israel regularly engage in building walls, demolishing homes, bulldozing olive groves, buying American fighter jets, and killing unarmed Palestinian children. If people know anything about Israel, that's what they know. None of this Zionist nonsense about flowers growing in deserts. The constant massacres, bombings, bulldozings, rampant torture of children, and other nasty habits of the self-proclaimed Jewish state give it a bit of a credibility issue among normal humans who aren't in the U.S. Congress or the British Parliament and aren't Germans drowning in guilt for the fact that their recent ancestors are largely responsible for Zionism becoming so popular among the Jewish diaspora in the first place with all the death and destruction it has wrought. Though in truth, even with the Nazi Holocaust to encourage Jews to flee Europe, which my extended family in Minsk unfortunately failed to do back then. Most Jews didn't want to go to Palestine. They wanted to go to the U.S. But because the great humanitarian Roosevelt administration didn't lift the quotas on Eastern European refugees until 1944, they had to go somewhere else if they could, or just die, as most of them did. But to the extent that the settler-colonial Zionist movement did gain popularity among Jews and, with backing from the big, supposedly former colonial powers of the day, did successfully take over the neighborhood by force of arms, kick out the inhabitants, and never let them back in, it did so with support from all kinds of different varieties of Zionists. <clears throat> yes, there's not just one brand of Zionism, but to complicate matters, there are many. It has long been the case that the best friends of the state of Israel around the world have been other settler colonial states, Australia, South Africa, the U.S., so-called former colonial powers, Britain, France, Germany, and a selection of the most far-right torture states that happen to be in power in the world at any given time, currently including countries such as Hungary, Guatemala, and Brazil. However, there are other factors that cause the whole question of Zionism and anti-Semitism to get truly complicated. One is the fact that although there are among the ranks of those around the world who oppose Zionism lots of principled ecumenical enemies of oppression in all its forms, the ranks of anti-Zionists also include actual fascists who hate Jews for being Jews. The other, probably far more destructive factor in the whole equation, is the fact that among the ranks of those who support the Zionist project that is, the state of Israel and all the disenfranchisement and slaughter of Palestinians that necessarily goes along with maintaining power over an occupied people who don't want to be occupied and aren't dead yet, are people who otherwise appear to be progressive. Which then brings me to the title of this little rant. Who are these longtime Labor Party members attacking Corvin as an anti-Semite on my Facebook page? Who are these otherwise sophisticated French philosophers who can't tell the difference between hatred of apartheid and hatred of all his fellow Jewish people? Who are these union and civil rights supporting Americans making oblique references to anti-Semitism on the left on the basis of a Muslim congresswoman's anti-lobbying tweet? First of all, they're real people. Yes, some of them are working for intelligence agencies who make those posts. This has been well documented, and in fact the Israeli government is proud of their propagandists on social media, as are lots of other government agencies globally. But there are real people, lots of them, 
who live with what to most of us seem like an impossible disconnect. In this case, we're talking about people who, for one reason or for many reasons, have developed a worldview where for them it is consistent to go out on the streets to oppose the U.S. carpet bombing of Southeast Asia, or even of Iraq. But when it comes to Israel, they support emergency military assistance when Israel runs out of bombs as it's destroying Gaza for the seventh time in the past decade. This is a reference to Bernie Sanders, among others. Unfortunately, with so many otherwise progressive supporters of Israeli apartheid, Zionism, among us, particularly in places like the U.S. and England, we end up in a situation where far too many people are intimidated by what is, admittedly, sometimes a complex and multifaceted debate. What's not complex, or shouldn't be, are the following points. 1. Only a minority of Jews identify with Israel or live in Israel, and Israel does not and never has represented the entire Jewish diaspora. 2. To use terms that people proudly identify with, such as Zionist, is not anti-Semitic, if we are describing a supporter of the State of Israel. 3. The United States government is run by the highest bidder. It is an auction, this is well known, and pointing this out is not anti-Semitic, any more than pointing out that the United States is in North America is anti-geographic. 4. Israel is an apartheid state that has been recognized as such by all rational visitors to the occupied territories, including me, South African Archbishop Desmond Tutu, all kinds of UN human rights commissioners, and other human rights groups, and a lot of other people. 5. The fact that Israel calls itself the Jewish state is run by Jews and has an almost entirely Jewish army that kills Palestinians every day will tend to cause some confusion in the world about what all this means. Some people will draw the erroneous conclusion that this self-proclaimed Jewish state represents all Jews, and that because an army of Jews kills unarmed Palestinians every day, that this Jewish army represents the Jewish diaspora. It doesn't. Just a lot of them. Like, for example, some of my Zionist relatives, who no longer speak to me because they think I'm an anti-Semite. I was raised in part by a German Jew who was so traumatized by her childhood that she pretended to be an English Catholic for her entire adult life. She never mentioned Israel or even the fact that she was Jewish. She assimilated in a state of terror into her new home. Though in New York City she was literally surrounded by millions of Jews, she was still afraid to be Jewish. This degree of fear hopefully provides some idea of why the Jewish people are now so divided around the issue of Israeli apartheid. There are so many reactions to trauma, and there was probably no trauma suffered by humans in the known history of the planet as terrible as the Nazi Holocaust. There were many victims of this Holocaust, and Jews from across Europe were principal among them. People so deeply traumatized had three main reactions. One, Many, like my nanny, hid, assimilated, lived in fear, tried to be someone else. Untold millions of people in many different situations have done this in the history of humanity, including Sephardic Jews, many hundreds of years ago, from whom I'm also descended. This is where the term living in the closet came from. That's where they kept the menorahs. Two. Many embraced the idea that the horror of Nazism should never destroy any other society either. This is partially why the radical left in so many countries is so disproportionately full of Jews. 
3. Many others embraced Zionism, which you can translate as the idea that never again means never again to us. Zionism was an escape further into sectarianism. Throughout Jewish history, as with the history of other historically marginalized groups, these various tendencies have been manifest. There were always different responses to anti-Semitism in Europe, and anti-Semitism was a major driving feature of European civilization for over a thousand years. Among Jews and non-Jews alike, there were those who could be successfully divided and conquered, and those who resisted this tendency. But naturally, grouping together and protecting others who you see as being part of your group is a sensible thing to do. And so, it's easy to see how Zionism could gain popularity in a year like 1940. Unfortunately, there is ultimately no safety or security on stolen land, surrounded by millions of resentful, impoverished, desperate refugees that you've created. Safety and security for Jews was really never the interest for the outside powers that have always been the benefactors Israel has depended on to make such a go of it up till now. For the great powers, it was always about having a European colonial outpost in a part of the world that Europeans have never been able to successfully colonize. But the progressive Zionists are able to repress all that awareness. It's hard to do that, so they're generally not much for rational conversation when it comes to the question of Israeli apartheid. Even calling apartheid apartheid upsets them. I think they're still calling it the only democracy in the Middle East, in fact despite the fact that the millions of Palestinians living under Israeli military rule in the West Bank and Gaza are unable to vote in the Israeli elections that determine their fates. Unable to defend the indefensible, they attack. This is how you end up with supposed Labour Party progressives calling Jeremy Corbyn an anti-Semite. According to their narrative, those PLO people buried in that Tunisian cemetery are all terrorists. They killed innocent Israeli Olympic athletes, among others. And so for them, the entire bloody Israeli occupation, the theft of all those homes, the millions of refugees and squalid refugee camps, this is all just irrelevant to the point that terrorism, the killing of innocents, is wrong. So, if you lay a wreath in a cemetery where some of those who died in the course of this national liberation struggle are buried, you are then associated with the worst things any of them ever did, of course. So then if you lay a wreath at a cemetery with dead RAF pilots in it, does that mean you're endorsing the killing of each of the 50,000 civilians who were asphyxiated or crushed when the RAF bombed Dresden? If you lay a wreath on the graves of Israeli soldiers who died in their war of independence, are you endorsing the permanent expulsion of 700,000 Palestinians from their homes by Jewish terrorists who induced fear through massacres and the threats of massacres? Few people would say so. But in the convoluted logic of the progressive Zionists, it can be nothing but anti-Semitic to acknowledge the suffering of the Palestinian nation by laying a wreath in a cemetery, or to express anger at a famous self-proclaimed Zionist philosopher for being a Zionist at a time in history when the army of Zionism, the Israeli army, has today just committed another massacre. Or to point out that the American-Israeli Political Action Committee has undue influence on U.S. politicians it most certainly verifiably does because it's all about the benjamins like omar and puff daddy said (laughs) 
I met someone the other week who just gave a speech about the lessons history can teach. He talked about the colonies with a furrowed brow, how they tortured the rebels of Mau Mau. But when the subject turned to children in indefinite detention, this was something I was evidently not supposed to mention. He began to shout as if he thought I might be deaf. The most moral army in the world is the IDF. I met someone else who had a lot to say about how the U.S. government had treated the Diné and other native peoples forced to live on reservations. What an awful way to treat those nations. But when the conversation drifted to the Middle East, the guy became so angry to say the least. When I mentioned Arabs, he began to yell, all those terrorists can go to hell. There are many contradictions you may find. It's a complex world with all kinds of strange people. But at the top of my list is the progressive Zionist. Once I did a concert tour of the Holy Land. I was on my seventh encore by popular demand. I sang of civil rights. They just wanted more songs about the horrors of the Vietnam War. They were right there with me till I mentioned Palestine. Up until that point, things were fine. When the song was over, the room with silence filled till someone shouted, those savages should be killed. There are many contradictions you may find. It's a complex world with all kinds of strange people. But at the top of my list is the progressive Zionist. Now when this song is over, I can guarantee I'll be called an anti-Semite most passionately. That and other insults will be flung in my direction. I'll be blamed if Trump wins the next election. But I got on the blacklist long ago, you see. You won't hear me on NPR or BBC. Call me what you will. I don't care a bit. I'll just tell it like it is. Till the day I quit. There are many contradictions you may find. It's a complex world with all kinds of strange people. But at the top of my list is the progressive Zionist. This has been episode 31 of This Week with David Rovix. You can find a written version of each episode in blog form at davidrovix.com slash thisweek, as well as on Blogger, Tumblr, Reddit, and Medium. At davidrovix.com slash thisweek, you can also stream or download the podcast, get the RSS feed of both the podcast and the blog, and find out how to support these efforts, which are all crowdfunded. You can also listen to the podcast via the free David Rovix mobile app, or you can search for This Week with David Rovix on any of the usual podcasting platforms, now including Stitcher, as well as Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, YouTube, and iTunes. The podcast is also available for radio broadcasters to use each week via the Pacifica Audio Port. 
The song Progressive Zionist is one I just finished recently, inspired to do so by the accusations being leveled against Corbyn, the Gilets Jaunes, and Congresswoman Omar. Okay, signing off for now. Hope to see you here next week. And this episode's feature artist is Janelle Monet, the singer-actress. This is a quote from her from an interview with BBC.UK. Living over in America and feeling like the people that I love and myself were pushed to the margins of society by the leader of the free world and that particular regime. So I wanted to make an album for all the, quote, dirty computers of the world, those that are told that they have bugs and viruses, that they need to fix themselves, that they need to clean themselves. Great art comes when we are, when we all, when we are all able to come together with our differences wherever we're from. And I think that's where the magic happens. That's where the empathy happens. That's where you start understanding one another. And through understanding, you start liking each other. And through liking, you start uniting with one another. I think that artists have a unique perspective because they get the opportunity to bring those groups together. I'm more interested in creating a purple state than a red or blue state. I'm interested in bringing us together, helping facilitate through music and through art and through conversations that we can have and come to a common ground and understand that we're all in this together. From her album Electric Lady, this is Janelle Monet with Ghetto Woman. Be your
said a baby do Doctor said December the first should do date And daddy he was gone off to college he couldn't wait Only just a teen with dreams to be on TV And living with a mama my grandma who used to be me We would move around in the city place to place The landlord come for the rent face to face Her eyes too heavy from working late as a janitor Thinking to herself that nobody could understand her But even when she felt like she couldn't she carried on She couldn't imagine both of her daughters here all alone Before the tuxedos in black and white every day I used to watch my mama get down on her knees and pray She the reason that I'm even writing this song Get a woman no it won't be long I sing along
And that was Americans from Janelle Monet's latest album, Dirty Computer. Here's a little bit of an interview that Janelle did with Hypebeast or from Hypebeast.com with uh, Lena. The question, pansexual was the number one Merriam-Webster word that day the news broke about you coming out. What was that like? That's amazing. I found out about that. I never would have thought or guessed that. It's great that people are being educated. This was a very personal story that was not necessarily just about me, but it was about a community of folks who have been pushed to the margins of society. You know, like I know, our stories are being erased. They're not being told. People don't realize that being free being a free-ass motherfucker comes with sacrifice. This is not a walk-in-the-park accomplishment. You know that. It comes with sacrifice. It can come with stress. It can come with a lot of misunderstanding. It comes with responsibility. I've had to realize that we are, not, we are all not in the same situation. Some people's families are extremely religious or extremely homophobic especially in our community. And there are some people in different parts of the world and right here in America where they can be ostracized from their community and killed for living out loud. So some people have a lot at stake, and I just think I'm more empathetic to that regardless if they're in the industry or not. And I just have to respect that, and I know that in my situation I've chosen to be a free-ass motherfucker and I've had the necessary conversations with loved ones, and I have the support that I need. I hope that we can all get to a place where our loved ones and the people around us are able, or I'm speaking specifically about those who can't live out loud right now, that they can somehow get that support and feel like this world is set up in a way that it can grant them the same freedoms that I have, because I do feel extremely blessed and thankful to have a support system. And to have a community of people that don't make me feel alone. And I feel like I can move in a way that makes me breathe easy at night. I sleep better at night. From her album, The Arch Android, this is Dance or Die featuring Saul Williams. Cyborg, Android, D-Boy, Decoy, Water, Wisdom, Tightrope, Vision, Insight, Stronghold, Hardness, Ice Cold, Mystery, Mastery, Solar, Some will pull the gun because they want to be stars, snatching up your life into the blink of an eye, and if you see your clone on the street walking by, keep it running for your life cause only one will survive, wars in the streets and it's an eye for an eye, run on for your life or you can die, she can die, she's praying in the sun like she's the last time I it's a stick up, stick up, bend up, pick up, pick up, tell them lies and tell them lies and put your face on fire, run and take your friends and never dream of a way. Keep a crime to the street full of zombies Kids are killing kids and then the kids join the army Rising in the wake and yes, I hear come the signs Marching to the room with the kick of the drum The wisest in me and they got the bombs and the guns So you might as well keep dancing if you're not gonna run
looking for a nine and a little joy to get him. Cause the zombie, 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 where do dreams come from? A little perky chirping and she's singing a song. She's shaking them and waking them and giving them us. As the clock tick tocks and the bodies drop, I'm gonna lay myself so far down right in your chops. Modern day example of a wolf first clock. Freedom necessary and it's by any means. Frozen, they were selling all the kings and the queens. Sudanese and Congolese who put the roll in the rock. From here to Sudan, my travel is to Iraq. It's a minute to the dawning, yet the sun ain't back. It's a war on all the streets and yes, it's free Sudan to die.
up, closet drunk, bathtub, out, outcast, weirdo, stepchild, freak show, black girl, bad hair, broad nose, cold stare, tap shoes, Broadway, tuxedo, holiday, creative block, love song, stupid words, erase song, gunshots, orange house, dead, dead, been up with the dirty mouth, spoiled milk, stale bread, welfare, bubonic leg, record deal, light bulb, he keep back in now, corporate club, breast cancer, common cold, HIV, lost hope, overweight, Self-esteem, misfit, broken dream, fish tank, small bowl, close-minded, dark hole, side of joy, joy control, get away, no trust till you spoke, Mic- microphone, one, one stage, tomboy, outrage, street fight, bloody war, instigators, third floor, promiscuous child, broken heart, STD, quarantine, heroin users, cokehead, final, final chapter, deathbed, plastic sweats, metal skin, metallic tears, manicure, carefree, nightclub, closet drunk, bathtub, white house, Jim Crow, dirt, dirty lies, my, my regards. And wrapping up our Janelle Monet set, that was Many Moons from The Chase EP. A couple weeks back, Peter Tork of The Monkees passed away, and that set me down a little uh, spiral of uh, listening to some Monkees music, including some stuff that I'd never heard before. I heard all their popular stuff. I watched the Monkees TV show when I was growing up. Uh, But there's a lot more obscure and less well-known music out there, including this gem from the album The Monkees Present. This is Mommy and Daddy.
Mommy, why everybody swallows all those little pills? Ask your daddy, why doesn't that soldier care? Who he kills? After they put you to sleep and tucked you safely down in your bed, whisper mommy and daddy, would you rather that I learned it from my friends instead? Do you think I'm too young to know the sea to feel or hear? My questions need an answer or a vacuum will appear. Don't be surprised if they turn and walk away. Then tell your mommy and daddy that you love them anyway, way, way. That you love, you love them anyway. Oh, oh, oh. Love, 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 love you, kiss. Set you, love, set you free. Certainly not one of the popular hits from the Monkees, but a very interesting tune nonetheless. And that'll just about wrap up this episode of Polyrical. Remember, email me at polyrical dot, sorry, at polyrical at gmail.com. Follow at Polyrical on Twitter and support this podcast by making a monthly pledge or a one-time pledge at polyrical.com. You'll also find back episodes there as well. You can also hear me record the podcast live on Twitch. Just follow Unrelated Things on twitch.tv for more information. As we exit this episode, we're going to hear a track from Music for a Better World by the artist The Truth. This is Let's All Blame the Victim. Thanks for listening. The way our brain works, the way we're taught, we blame people for their problems. Is that right? Or should we try to help fix those problems to help people? Think about it. But how can we stop terror? How can we stop the wars? How about getting out of other countries' lands and then ashore? We use the U.S.'s riches to help feed the world's poor. Would they really hate us then? If we stop trying to run other countries and use money for better missiles to fill plates for the hungry, and not just left these nations, but pay the money to fix what we destroyed in reparations. It's a shame it ain't came in. Reason is greed, money and power is a disease We're born from love, not greed or racism No child is born a racist, they teach us to hate women We all victims of this teaching, I don't preach, I teach For those smart enough to understand, we need a plan that's uplifted Be a trendsetter, it's a pleasure Women are equal to men, but most women are better Women raise us and usually show us love and not hate Like a good mother's love's the answer we need create Instead of blaming a victim, help them make a living Instead of blaming a victim, help them make a living Instead of blaming a victim Help them make a living Bad things happen to good people, it's not hidden I used to be like you, believing in what they recited I just read a few books that made me enlightened Now it's millions of people like me that's not frightened We excited to tell you about texts that lie when they write it When they leave out the most important parts and what they highlighted The just world hypothesis Poor people get what they gotta get But really life is crazy and it's more like the opposite Should we really blame the victim? Or blame those in power who could take things and flip them? We could use their money to share it and create a better system We could fix it, what's missing? But instead of making sure everyone has a job So they can make a living Their division from this mission is they keep building buildings To put poor people 
in the prison I know you thinking this rapper's way off, man, he's got him Cause I read up on submission to authority and psychology we Gotta question everybody, those in power especially The ones who can make our world better more readily People getting what they need's the solution Me and the Instead of blaming the victim Help them make a living Instead of blaming the victim Help them make a living Instead of blaming the victim Help them make a living Bad things happen to good people, it's not hidden they teach us to worship money like it's a god, it's a fact You can love money, but money can't love you back And when you got rich, it's gotta wonder who's loving me For who I am and who loves me for the money Love's not about what you can buy for a person Love is sharing and helping any person who's hurting Whose version of love do you believe in? Which one are you immersed in? Where's the love for the people who can't find a job When they're searching for all the layoffs they hurt? Let's all blame the job, let's not blame the real monsters They move our jobs overseas just for greed and where the profit They know workers need some Money, so they're treated like hostages. The working conditions is basically like slavery. It's not us and them, like they say hatingly. It could be you in their shoes where their babies be. Or they could kill you or your family acting in violence. And fight back at those in charge or those that chose silence. But so I blame the victim, don't help them, just kidding. We're gonna have major problems to real love is a risk. Who you really wanna blame, the victim or politicians? Instead of blaming the victim, help them make a living. Instead of blaming the victim, help them make a living. Instead of blaming the victim, help them. Happen to good people, it's not it. Instead of blaming the victim, help them make a living. Instead of blaming the victim, help them make a living. Instead of blaming the victim, help them make a living. Bad things happen to good people, it's not it. It's not it. People don't choose to be poor. It's not enough jobs. It's never enough jobs. If you get a job, most jobs don't pay enough to be able to live. You ever think of blaming rich people, the bosses who don't pay workers enough? Who'd rather have a machine do the work or send a job overseas where they can pay workers even less than they do here? Sure, working hard matters, but when the system is so messed up, let's all blame the victim. Let's all blame the victim. Let's all blame the victim. I'm just kidding. Fix the system. Replace the system. Make a better system. But you can help fix the problems by getting involved with groups listed at thetruthmusic.com. The truth. Not T H E, it's T H A. It's not T H E, it's T H A. It's not T H E, it's T H A. Truth News, truth news.com.